Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. We are creating matter, but we have to create it up there first to be, you know, really um, conscious creators and to know, okay, I'm going to grab it from 5D and I'm drawing it into 3D rather than working hard, hard, hard in moving 3D because that's way more work than working on a level of energy. What is the true essence of joy and how can it shape our lives? Dr. Joy Martina, a renowned transformational coach and energy psychologist, delves into the profound impact of joy on human experiences and shares invaluable tools to navigate life's challenges with authenticity and embrace the transformative power of emotions. Discover the distinction between happiness and joy, where happiness stems from external source while joy becomes an internal driving force. Dr. Joy encourages to honor both sorrow and gratitude for our experiences, reminding us that joy springs from embracing the full spectrum of emotions. She challenges us to reframe challenges as opportunities for growth and introspection. Emphasizing forgiveness, release, and the power of setting intentions. With practical tools at hand, including embracing alternate perspectives and consciously redirecting emotions, Dr. Joy paves the way for authentic living. It's now time to allow her wisdom to inspire you to embark on a transformative journey where joy becomes your guiding force, propelling you towards a life of purpose and happiness. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the show. We've got a special guest all the way from Austria. We've got the beautiful Dr. Joe Martina. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I was just explaining to Joy that I do not look like that at eight o'clock in the morning. She's doing well. And she went to a party last night and had a good night. So she's doing amazing. Double amazing. (laughs) That's right. Nothing like keeping your vibes high. I know. I know. It's fantastic. So the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our guests to share the story. So Joy, what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, deep depression inspired me. I was struggling with depression in and out of it. I didn't at that time, you know, I'm almost 50 years old this year. Um, At that time, depression wasn't a thing, especially all mental kind of issues were A, not talked about, and B, there was nothing really much to do about it. So I had to go on my own quest and find out why the hell was I feeling the way I was when 
I have everything in life that I was told I should always have. So, you know, the the marriage, the children, the beautiful home, the houses, the cars, all that stuff. Um, and still I was not happy. And I went on a quest to find out how can I find that joy in life again, especially since I'm called Joy because my parents gave me that name because they were told they couldn't have children. And then, yeah, here I am. And that started a whole quest of finding not only my own joy, but helping others find theirs too, because that's what it's about because right now I think we can all agree that this planet is in a very interesting position and the mood of people and you know the the mindset and the awareness is changing so rapidly that right now I think it's really important to know what what serves us what's right for us and that's where intuition comes in so I've studied a bunch of things I studied law I studied psychology but I always had this knack and this curiosity um, and, and yearning to, to make sense of everything that was happening. So studying psychology and, and lots of different techniques and, and ways of, you know, understanding the human mind and understanding how we operate had me realize that we all have this internal guiding system, which I call intuition. Some people call it their highest selves or their true selves. And um, there's so much mysticism around it. So studying a lot of uh, spiritual practices, uh, different, you know, meditations and all that um, had me realize that we're actually all talking about the same thing. We, we agree usually on the fact that there's something that created us, some energy, some, I don't know, whatever label you want to give it. And that that created us is still within us. But sometimes we can lose touch with it. And then we end up feeling lost and maybe depressed and, and kind of frustrated with life. So um, I have been on this mission of helping myself and others now for yeah about 20 years I've been working with all kinds of walks of life all kinds of ages genders <laughs> and I know we're all intuitive we all have this highest intelligence that we can tap into that helps us navigate life in a way more easeful way but here's the thing now that we are being bombarded with so much information daily you know gigabytes of information streaming in at the you know, constantly, um, we can get distracted and disconnected and then lose sight of who we really are. So I think it's about finding ourselves to find true happiness. Mm. So if I'm understanding you correctly, that the depression is the separation, the separation from thyself, right? So it's because you were too external focus. And when you went internal, did that inner work, and did that um, like tapped into your intuition, into your inner self, is that when it dissipated? Well, no, that's when the conflict really then came up because you see, it had me realize these different parts of us, of me, the part of me that was trying to be the perfect mom, the, ma- the part of me that was trying to be the perfect business person, that, you know, all these roles and trying to get that all into this perfection. So, um, you know, this perfectionism then has us often people pleasing. I was a terrible people pleaser. I was so tuned into what everybody else would need that I forgot about myself. And when we um, prioritize everything else above ourselves, we'll, we'll have that internal conflict of trying to please others, but no longer pleasing ourselves. So it really takes not only the going within and becoming aware of what's going on. That's always step one, noticing, Oh, this, this, something's off then going inside and saying okay what's off and why is it off but that's the conflict part that sometimes we can we can stop 
going through will will shy away from it because it's not pleasant. It's not really very pleasant at the beginning to discover that, yeah, everything that I'm facing in life right now is due to decisions that I made in the past. And taking that responsibility for our lives um, can feel hard. It can feel overwhelming, especially if we don't have help or we don't have the support around us to show us that's okay. You know, we we actually all have that struggle. So um, it's rather like having a pimple. You notice the pimple coming, you notice it coming, you think, oh my God, the pimple's coming. And you try and do everything about it to stop it from coming, but here it is. And then you go inside and you notice, okay, let's sit with the pimple. And then the pimple can pop and then it dissipates because then you figured out what the learnings were. Because you see, the moment we receive the learnings of an experience that we had, and it's all just an experience, and we receive those learnings, all the emotions and and the decisions that we made at that time dissipate too. And that really is quick. So change happens in an instant, but we can take quite a while to get to that moment when we're ready to change, when we're ready to take responsibility and then make new decisions. Yeah, I'm relating to what you're saying. That's why I was asking. It's not 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 that I was going through a depression, but definitely felt disconnected, wasn't happy, wasn't satisfied, had everything uh, that you were talking about, the house, the husband, the child, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but then I realized that when I actually took a moment to myself, I realized that I actually was uh, externally focused, people-pleasing, uh, making sure that everybody else was happy and satisfied outside of me and then when it went when I went inside in that quest that you talk about asking why is it that I'm not happy why is it that I'm not satisfied is because I wasn't meeting my needs I wasn't attending to my needs and I wasn't investing time to myself so I'm connected with what you're saying the one thing that I do struggle with to this day is when you talk about intuition Mm -hmm. is how do you know that intuition is your guiding light, your North Star that you speak about when your mind gets in the way and talks to you? Like, how can you tell the difference between that's my intuition? No, that's my mind. Yes. Great question. Great question. Well, how I start out with that is that I first um, elicit the primary channels of information because we all have all channels of information which are we have the visual channel the things we see we have the auditory channel the things we hear and we have the feelings in our body and then we have the auditory digital channel which is the conversation in our head so those are the ways that we gather information and process information and we all have a primary channel of usually two primary channels of information that we just use most of the time So by first eliciting which is my primary channel of information, you know, how do I take it in, um, helps me decipher how intuition is going to speak to me or come to me too. Because if I'm, for instance, like me, I'm a very auditory person, auditory um, and auditory digital and kinesthetic, those three channels, interestingly enough, are my strongest and they're all the same strength. So that means that when intuition speaks to me, I will usually hear it. I'll I'll hear a sound that will remind me of something that will have me sort of, oh, that's interesting. Then I'll have the conversation in my head that will give a very clear knowing. It's just something I, I just know. I don't know how I know, but I just know something. And then I'll have the feeling in my body that can be, I don't know, the goosebumps, the, the, the kind of feeling of a wave of energy, warmth, whatever it is. 
So you'll have a very specific sign. That's how intuition is speaking to you. Now, if you know your channels, then you can pay attention to that. But here's the thing. I used to think that I am highly visual before I took the test. I thought, oh, I'm a visual person because you need, I can go in a room or I'll see a person and I'll always know what I would improve. <laughs> I have to make it more beautiful. Um, so I thought I was visual and I also have a lot of dreams. So I, I, you know, get these sort of premonitions or these reoccurring dreams. So I thought I'm 100% visual. Took the test, thought, no, visual and discovered visual is my weakest channel. Now, what that means is that intuition will have spoken to me. So I would have heard it. I would have known it. I would have felt it before I see it. But I was wasting all that time in between because I was waiting for the visual confirmation. And that would come last because that was the last channel that I was aware of. So that's a big help to just know how, how do I operate? What are the things that I notice? And then once we know, we can pay attention to those channels and learn to open up that one channel that's maybe not as strong. So um, in my quest and all my trainings and teachings, I've, I did all kinds of wacky courses, you know, anything that was really out there I would do from remote viewing to, I don't know, finding water with the dowsers to anything. And um, I tried, for instance, to, to see auras. I thought it was so cool how some people can see auras. I said, oh, I see in your aura, you've got this and that going on. I couldn't see a thing. So I thought I can do these aura training courses. And I did the courses and I would do course after course and just nothing would happen. I couldn't see nothing. Um, then I took the test and I understood, oh, maybe, maybe I just know the aura. Maybe I feel the aura. Maybe I can even hear stuff in the aura. And then I started paying attention to that. And then, hey, presto, a couple of months later, suddenly, with all that information, I got pictures too. But it was the last thing. So it's, it's, a, it's an internal process of self-discovery and then really paying attention to the outside. Now, you said one very interesting thing about how do I decipher the different voices? Because that's where we go into that auditory digital channel because our mind is constantly busy, isn't it? Usually. It's constantly thinking a new thought, usually every five seconds. And then depending on where we put our focus, we'll go down rabbit holes of, of thought trains. <clears throat> so when we want to pay attention to the auditory digital channel and know, is this just a conversation in the mind or is this intuition? I use the following thing. I will just take a breath. So I'll just go, go inside. And then I'll have the thought come up and then I'll notice what kind of feelings do I have when I have that thought? Because you see, intuition is not a fearful voice. Intuition is not a judgy voice. Intuition is not a voice that will go into the past and tell you, oh, you see, this happened then and then and then and this because of that happened this. And it, it won't go down memory lane. It'll just give you this poof snapshot of information that then your job is to make sense of. So I will then just write it out. I will write down, what am I getting? And take pen and paper and write it on a piece of paper and then just sit with it. And maybe I'll put the date next to it because I like being a researcher. And then I'll notice, does it keep coming back? And if it keeps coming back, I'll say, okay, is this new? Or is this something that's reminding me of something in the past? Because mostly we unfortunately are focused on what happened in the past. We'll have like two feet in the past. <laughs> and a little finger in the future of what we actually want but we're not here we're not present we're constantly somewhere else so getting into the present moment and and doing that diligently 
really, I, I had to, I have such a monkey mind. I couldn't even enjoy a massage. So hear me, anybody here who's saying, I know meditation would be great. I know calming the mind would be great, but I just don't know how. Let me tell you, it's just a practice. It really is. It's like going to the, the, the fitness studio and, and training your biceps. You've just got to keep doing it. So there are lots of practices, very simple ones that we can do every day to hone our intuition. And one of the simplest ones is to have the courage to spend 10 minutes a day in total silence. Um, when I did yoga schools, I'm also a yoga teacher, we had to uh, commit to that. During the, the yoga training we and at school, we said, okay, every single morning before we get to yoga school, and yoga school started at 7 a.m., we're going to have already meditated. We had to promise. So I did that. And at the beginning, and I've been, uh, you know, I'd been doing meditation practices for years beforehand, but I had never done it in silence. I always had music on or it was a guided meditation, but the silence thing was new to me. So I literally, I, I rolled out of bed in the morning, set my alarm, and then just did 10 minutes of silence. And it was at the beginning excruciating because I had <laughs> I'd have my mind go all over the place. I would be doing my to-do lists. I would be doing my grocery lists. You know, I'd be busy in my mind. And it took, I'd say, the first three days of just being with it. And you see, being with whatever your mind is doing and not judging it is quite a thing. But then you'll notice after very short time, so I, I say after about three days, you'll notice something's changing. And the thing that I notice most is, you know how they say, if you're, if you're busy, meditate, right? Meditate for an hour. If you're really, really busy, meditate for two hours. And I thought that makes no sense because I'm, I'm struggling to find even, you know, this little time to be able to meditate. But you know what happens in meditation is we're actually making time. It's fascinating that something happens when we slow down our brain waves. And that's what meditation actually is. It's going from that busy, better brain that's all over the place. It's really chaotic into the relaxed alpha state, which is kind of more relaxed. It's a light state of meditation. And then training yourself to go deeper and deeper into theta. Because the, the theater brainwave zone is the one that we want to get into. That's the one that meditation experts speak about. That's where healing happens. So once we train our brain to go into those relaxed brainwave states consciously and hold them, time expands. And, and we are connected. That's my belief. Um, we're connected to, to the quantum field. That field that Joe Dispenza talks about, that the, the no thing, no one, nowhere, it's just nothing. And when we are okay with that nothing and we feel comfortable in that nothing and we start getting actually excited about the nothing, um, we actually are creating more of what we want. Because then wherever our focus goes, energy flows. And, and then I'm a daughter of a physicist. We are creating matter, but we have to create it up there first to be, you know, really um, conscious creators and to know, OK, I'm going to grab it from 5D and I'm drawing it into 3D rather than working hard, hard, hard in moving 3D, because that's way more work than working on an, an, a level of energy. I love the way that you describe that. And I have a saying, you need to slow down to speed up. So we need to slow things down 
to speed things up and it's very similar to what you talk about. I love the yeah. idea of what you spoke about. You you just mentioned, so there, well, there's an assessment that we, uh, uh, that we have at the academy. It's called a, a communication assessment style, which is visual, auditory, kinesthetic, auditory, digital, which is what you spoke about. And I'm visual and AD and then kinesthetic and auditory is my last one. But then you were talking about the intuitive intelligence side of things, being clear, audient, clear, uh, sentient, clear, uh, voyant, oh, yeah. all of those things. I never connected the two, which is really interesting because even though I'm strong in my visual component, I'm more, when it comes to intuition, it's a more of a knowing, not a visual. So how does that work if I'm stronger in my visual, yet from an intuitive intelligence side of thing, it is a knowing, it's a, a knowing inside. And yet, Joy, I still have conflict with it at times, not all the times, at times, I'll go, hang on a minute, is that real for you to think that way or feel that way or experience that in that way? Or is this something from the past that you're bringing to the present that you haven't healed that now you're making or placing a judgment that is not so you can how- desire, right? It's 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 um, am I coming from an egotistical desire because I just want this, or is it really meant for me? And that's why intuition is so linked to self-worth. Um I, I always say, you know, only joyful people are truly intuitive. People get really triggered by that. And they say, well, well, if I'm sad, I'm not intuitive. And I said, no, 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 no. I didn't say happy. I said joyful. Because when we're, unha- when we're depressed and unhappy and angry and, and all those kind of states, we're just vibrationally in a really low state of vibration. And, and the lowest being shame, right? So whenever we feel shame and, and when we're judging ourselves, we can tap into shame and guilt. Um, we are right down here in the level of, of low vibrations. And then we can move up in the vibrations just by paying attention to our feelings. So um, uh, a feeling of anger, for instance, is feels better than a feeling of sadness because it's just a higher vibration. So some people will stay stuck in anger because they're terrified to ever go down into the grief and to uh, face all the, the pit that's underneath. But we have to. We have to be able to experience all those emotions and be okay with them to be able to move up into acceptance. And then once we've reached acceptance, we can move up into gratitude. And once we're in gratitude, we can move up and up and up and go into joy and, and love. And then the highest vibration is actually peace. Um, peace is higher than joy. Peace is higher than love. So <clears throat> paying attention to our emotions will really help, especially when we're having those thoughts. Now, let's assume that we're getting this, this knowing. And, and knowing is clear cognition so we we just know what we need to know when we need to know it that's intuition and you don't know why you know it you you can't consciously um create some analysis of how you know this you just know so intuition is always that very 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 first knowing that very very first feeling that very very first um visual input that you got it's not the one that you have once you start thinking about it so if you're starting to think about it because it just seems so new to you, you know, okay, I'm now using my conscious mind to try and understand something that's coming from 5D. It's coming from somewhere else that I don't know. So just be with it for a while. 
And at the beginning, I would I had this agreement with the universe. So we can make these agreements. We say, okay, intuition, I hear you, and I I I am aware of you. Give me a clear sign. And for me, I've made this agreement. If something comes three times, it it's happening. So now I already know if it comes twice, I'm, I don't wait for the third time anymore. I'm like, okay, I I, I got it. <laughs> And that trains um, that unshakable faith muscle in us, which is so linked to intuition and so linked to, to joy in life. Because you see, when we have faith in ourselves, when we have faith in our highest guidance, it's way easier to say yay and nay. And, and in truth, it is either a hell yes or it's a hell no. And if it's in between, I'll often wait it out and say, you know what, I'm I'm not feeling it right now. Let me wait for the right time. And then I'll tell you, because I have, for my, myself, it works really well um, to, to really just do the things that are hell yes. And that takes courage because mm-hmm. it's a lot of no's in the way. So I, I describe in my five-step process of strengthening your intuition, how uh, step number two, so step number one is step out of the buzz. Gotta calm it down, step out of the external, go inside, make that time for yourself. Step two is learn to say no and learn to say no gracefully. I think especially as women, I can speak for myself, but also the thousands of women I worked with, um, we can struggle with that no so hard um, that it can feel so unpleasant just to say no. So part of the trainings that I do with my golden goddesses, for instance, is that we practice saying no and practice the joy of saying no and saying that no nicely. Be a, you know, No, thank you. Very sweet of you. No, no, thank you. Maybe another time. Um, and then step three is learning how to forgive and release joyfully. Um, I used to be a total control freak um, because that's how I felt safe. I felt I had to have everything checked and controlled so nothing could go wrong, but things still went wrong. <laughs> so learning to to let go and to trust and, and release is a huge part of that. And Here's the thing, at least I was always taught that uh, forgiveness and release has to be a really hard job. And it's kind of painful. It usually takes a long time and costs a lot of money because, I mean, I've done all kinds of therapies. And if you look at classical psychotherapy is you go once a week and you talk and you talk and you talk and you usually go at, end up going for years, <laughs> like, but nothing's changing. So I think nowadays we have so many tools. We have so many different um, techniques and approaches to solve something that the moment we're aware of a condition, a, a program, a pattern, that's all I call it. It's just an informational pattern. The moment we're aware of that pattern, we can change it by making a conscious decision and using tools to, to in, implement it and integrate it in 3D, which is our body. That's why I'm a big fan of tapping. Um, I, I love using tapping to, to connect a 3D and 5D, to bring our brain and our heart and all our parts back into alignment to what we really want. So part of it is releasing all the past stuff, right? And then step four is owning our desires. So that's when we get into, when we know what we're saying no to, is what do I really want? What do you really, really want? And and desires are something very beautiful and unfortunately often very misunderstood because I think we spend most, or a lot of time, 
denying our desires or judging our desires I think or pushing them away because they seem too big too out there too outrageous but here's the thing desires choose you you don't have a say over your desires a desire is a desire and if it's there it's always going to be there the only part we need to figure out is how do we bring this desire to life in a joyful graceful and easeful way without harming others without you know do creating some chaos and and so part of the owning of the desires is really and I'd like to give that as a tip to our listeners is start writing your book of desires I have it on my phone I I love writing in 3d too so I have lots of notebooks and I have a book of desires and every day I will write at least one heart's desire in there now many of you might think well I don't have that many you do How about just writing them down and writing them down just for yourself, not sharing them with anybody. That's another tip. I really am not a big fan of sharing, oversharing everything with everybody because then you'll get all the other opinions. People will mostly tell you why it's not possible. Forget about it. Don't do that. Just write them down for yourself and go crazy on them. How wild and outrageous can you make those desires? Because the moment we own them, Something happens inside of us that we actually gain energy towards those goals and dreams that we have, but we have to name it to claim it. So own your desires. And then in step five, we connect to, I call it connect to the universe. Once you're clear inside, you can just open up and and just receive and and notice what comes in because you're now letting it come into a, a cleaner channel with less distortion from previous programmings. Um, And it's fascinating how quickly that can go. So when I work one-on-one with people and I, my main goal is to connect them to their highest selves. So people will come in and have all kinds of issues and I'll spend the time talking about the issues, but not much because then I want to go into, so, okay, we, we now know what you're struggling with. What do you really want? Where's this going? Why would you even care to clear that all up um, if, if we don't know where we're going with this? So once we have a clear desire, a clear goal, of, of, and I want that as clear, I will work with people until it's as clear as people being able to describe that moment to me. I call it their golden moment, where they're healthy, happy, safe, living life with ease, and doing what? What are you noticing? Um, would it be a feeling in your body? How would you feel in that moment? Would you feel relief? Would you feel gratitude? Would you feel that excitement? What would be going on in your head? What would you be saying to yourself in that moment when you realize you've done it? You're here. This is this is your goal, your heart's desire. It's manifested. And once we have a very clear picture on that, I take them into a state of hypnosis. I use all kinds of techniques, NLP and quantum hypnosis and all kinds of things to connect them to that core, to that highest intelligence, to their their most evolved selves, their highest selves. And the moment we connect in, in, in hypnosis, we're in a very, very deeply relaxed state. We connect to that energy. It's an experience that we can't forget. It, it anchors that knowing in us so that we will then recognize it when it comes on the outside. So when another experience comes where we're like, was this intuition? Was it not? We'll just know because we'll feel, oh, this is the same feeling I had when I was connected to my highest self. And then the highest self and ourselves becomes one more and more. And and we feel that that confidence and that, that security in life that I think many of us are missing right now because 
clarity, certainty and clarity go together. And, and once we have them, it's it's much easier to, to be conscious manifestors mm. rather than have the feeling that life's happening to us. Yeah, I totally agree. I was having a bit of a giggle before because I'm also a three-time convincer. Uh, so I have just learned that once I hit the two mark, I'm like, I get it now, universe. You don't need to give it to me three times. And you, when you were talking about the design, there is a lot of, uh, I guess, controversy around the word. And I think it's got to do with the Eastern methodology and the Western methodology because in the Eastern, it depends on the different cultures, of course, and and what you believe in. But they they there is a, like, it's almost desires are to be because you're saying what you desire is you don't have. And so there's a lot of, some people uh, say, well, it's, it's wrong to desire. Uh, but I think that how could you uh, co-create with the universe you do, if you don't at least put an intention out there of what you want to manifest and co-create with the universe? So whether you use the word desire or intention or goal, I think there's that's why there's a lot of, there's, there's some religions and some belief systems where they say it's taboo to desire. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and look at all religions. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I've studied many religions. Most religions will kind of shame us for heart's desires. Um, but the heart's desires, as I say, they're, they're in you. They're not going to go away. So it's about finding a, a good way of making them come alive and trusting that the universe is benevolent. It wants to support us. It, it's, it doesn't judge us. It's just energy. So if you start feeling one with your desires and you feel good about them, notice what you how you feel in your body when you think about them. Do they get you fired up? I notice that I have to make my desires really, really big and, 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 and let those then fuel the goals. Because you see, goals are so often very mind-created. They can be like, oh, I, I don't know, I want, I don't know, this much income and I want this much return on investment and I want this weight. And it, it's okay, it's a pinpoint, but way more important than the, the numbers is how would you feel? What would you be thinking? Who are you in that moment? Because it's it's more about not what we're doing, but who we are. Because I, I can be a joyful person even when I'm going through grief. That means I, I, despite of the grief that I'm feeling about something that's maybe lost, I will still feel that joy for life. And that's why I say joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is usually focused on external events happening. So when that and that and that happens, then I'm going to be happy. But I can feel joy even if none of my goals have manifested yet, just out of that joy for life that there's the opportunity and the possibility that they might happen. And I just trust that even if my goals don't manifest in the way that I would like to, which they rarely do, um, something even better is going to happen. And and that lets us let go of that hold and control that is so exhausting. So how could you, so I, I get that joy is an internal driver and happiness is an external driver, but how do you hold the two, grief and joy, in the same moment? Mm. There's a beautiful word in Portuguese, and it's a word that only exists in Portuguese, which is called saudade. And saudade is the feeling that we have when we, we remember happy moments in the past. So we have that, yeah, that grief of it's no longer there, but we also have that gratitude that we were able to live them. 
So when my grandmother, for instance, passed, and she she was my big, big role model, Peggy. And when Peggy passed, I, I really, I went through that grief very, very consciously. I really wanted to, because I wanted to honor the relationship and her by by not shying away from it, not distracting myself from it, not pushing through it, but just, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to be with this. And in there, I noticed that I would, I don't know, I'd be sitting in the plane, for instance, somewhere. And, and suddenly this wave of grief would hit me and I'd remember her and I'd be, oh my God, she's not here anymore, right? And I would feel the grief and I'd just let it flow through me. And I would notice how there'd be a couple of tears going down my face. And I just, I didn't want to fix or change anything. I was just, I'll just be here. And I felt joy to be able to experience the grief. It really is just, just facing it with an open heart. So um, I, you know, a lot of, sometimes I think was, we're trained to be less sensitive, especially as empaths. I'm a big empath. So um, feeling other people's energies and moods and stuff is is it, it's natural to me, which is great. And at the same time, it can often be a challenge because then it can be hard to decipher what are my feelings, what are other people's feelings. But the great thing about being an empath is to know that the more feelings you can feel, the deeper you can go into, for instance, grief and just feel the grief, the bigger your vessel is getting also for the joy. So the deeper the grief, the higher the joy. It's it's really about having that courage to feel them all, to feel them all and know it's just energy moving through my body. That's all that emotions are. And I can use that energy to create something good. So let's take anger, for instance. Um, I used to be very angry as well. I used to get so angry about so many things. And I, I know, it, I, you know, nice girls are not angry. So I do all my things, but I would still be angry. I'd still judge myself for the anger. because like, I shouldn't be feeling angry. Until that switch happened, I thought, who says who? Why didn't I just feel it? And then when I feel that emotion, I can then choose what am I going to do with it? And, you know, anger, for instance, one of is, is anger is a, such a great energy to actually change something. Um, and if we look at the past and we see all great revolutions were started by one angry person saying, enough, I've had enough of this, and then creating that change. So it's a fire that has had me write the most amazing things, um, has had me, I don't know, plant beautiful trees. So I'd go ahead and I'd take that energy and say, okay, feeling really angry right now. Let's just be with it. How are we going to use this fire? So I'd say, okay, I need to plant some new fruit trees. Dig a hole, <laughs> use that anger and, and dig a hole and create something beautiful with it. Um, so I think that's where we're so lucky as humans that we can consciously decide. And, and once we realize that I do have a choice and we can start using the word I choose more often. It's another tip I'll give you right here. Watch out. How often do you say I choose? And how often do you say, I wish, I want, I would, I could? It's a totally different energy. But if I, for instance, say, you know what? I choose to go to bed now. I choose to exercise. I choose to have something to eat. I choose to eat junk food. I choose to eat healthy. Whatever you're choosing. But choose it consciously and, and stand to it. Say it. And, and I've noticed that ever since I have been paying more and more attention to my words and um, really paying attention that what I'm saying is also aligned with what I want. 
the more often I say choose, the more often I'm also inspiring others to choose consciously too. And what happens then is that we have way more authentic relations. And and I'm a big fan of authentic relationships and authentic communication, compassionate communication, because it's true magic. It's magic. Mm, It is. And I truth is so much more empowering, so much more empowering. And absolutely, energy, when you think about emotions, it is absolutely energy. The thing is we don't allow that. I'm trying to think of um, there's a visual that I um, uh, a teacher of ours once through a visualized meditation was saying, like if you could visualize you live you're by the riverbank and your emotions is the river and you're just allowing it to flow through you're not stopping and what happens is he was saying that we put rocks in between like in the river and we stop the flow and that's where we get stuck with these emotions they get stuck and stored within our physical body but it's it's really interesting but even so many people fear going into the grief because i say you've got to go almost like through a breakdown to get to a breakthrough and people yes. are afraid to allow themselves to feel the grief. So why is because that? Because we're, why do we're so breaking many- down, but we're not, we're breaking through. We, we, we think we're losing, and we are, we're losing false parts of our identity. They're just not true parts. So whatever we can release makes space for who we really want to be. Um, so yes, it does take courage. So you you asked me when we we were starting to to share three golden nuggets. So I'd like to, because it fits so well right now, to show the tapping of, I call them the courage points. So when we notice that feeling of contraction, like, oh, I don't want to go there. Oh my God, this is, I don't want to do this, right? So we're pulling away from it. That's just fear. So if we were to go ahead and tap underneath our collarbones on our chest bone, when we feel that feeling and just take a breath, And then say to ourselves, I love and accept myself even when I feel scared. And I love and accept myself when I now choose to be brave, to tap into my courage and to know that I can do this and I will do this and I'm doing this now and breathe again. We've switched the state in our body because you see by tapping and at the same time consciously saying something, we're doing more than our conscious mind can handle. And that's excellent because it means that we have direct access to our unconscious mind, which we know is like running the main show. So by getting into the unconscious mind and giving a clear instruction saying, you know what? It's okay, honey. We're feeling this. We love and accept ourselves. And we love and accept ourselves when we now choose something different. Um, If we do that regularly, so I I really, I encourage you to do it every time you notice you're feeling it. Um, You're changing the pattern, the the programming in your brain, which means that we're dissolving those dysfunctional synapses in the brain that have us doing things because we're habitual beings, right? So we'll have all these programs that will have us just going on an autopilot. We'll just run the next habit. And that way we're breaking those habits and we're creating new ones. We're saying, no, 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 I get it. Now we're choosing this. And it's like a Pavlov's dog. Keep doing that. Um, and you will notice that suddenly you start behaving differently. I'll give you an example. I used to hate the cold. I mean, I've grown up in mainly in Austria, but also in other different countries where winter was a thing. And I used to really, really dislike the winter and really dislike putting my my body in cold water so I would never go into the ocean or anywhere else if it wasn't 20 degrees plus right that was the minimum 
And then I started studying Wim Hof and all these breath techniques and cold exposure. And I was like, I've got to do this. So I'm going to become friends with the cold. <laughs> and I decided, okay, I'm going to do a cold plunge every single day. If it's a cold shower or I'm really lucky here, I have a cold river to hop into. And it was okay in the summer, but then the winter came. So I was on, say, day 30 of doing the cold plunges. So it wasn't a natural habit yet because we need 90 days usually to make it a habit. But I noticed that there would be days when I'd get up in the morning, I was doing in the morning and I would take my walk and it would be raining. It would be horrible outside. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it today because it's just too cold and it's raining and you had a bad night. And you know what? We're just not going to do it today. But I would notice that after about five minutes of the walk, my body was taking me to the cold plunge place. And then I'd find myself standing in the cold plunge place and saying, well, now that we're here, we might as well do it. And now I've been doing it for almost a year. And I can swear some days it's it's another part of me just directing the show, my unconscious, taking me to the place, almost automatically getting undressed. And then in the ward, I'm like, oh, here we go again. And I get that reset. So find ways to reset yourself. Breath is a great thing. If you were to just take a lunch break and say, you know, I'm going to set five minutes aside where I'm just going to breathe and do some holotropic breath, do a five count breath, whatever works for you, but stick to it. Then those resets throughout the day are training your brain to not get into that frazzle mode at all because we don't have to. I think we should only be in frazzle mode in, in peak experiences, that's okay. We, we, we need all kinds of states. And to have every now and again, a sort of, oh my goodness, is a good thing. But if we're living on like this the whole time, our brain is not, we're not connected to the newest part of our brain. Because when we're in, in states of anxiety or, or high negative emotions, the front part of our brain, the neocortex switches off. So we're just connected to the, the oldest part of our brain. And, and that is not the smartest. That's more the animal brain. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I do cold plunges every day. So I walk every day to, uh, for about an hour and then go into the beach every single day. I don't like it. And it is winter now and it's getting harder. And I do find myself making excuses. So it'll be, oh, it's raining today. Oh, you know, it's no, this thunder. It's dangerous to be in the water during thunderstorms. So I still, and I've been doing it for, I would say 18 months. And I still, yeah, I still find myself making excuses. So That's so funny. But you're yeah. doing it. Yeah, I am doing it, but there are days I talk myself out of it. So it's wow. Um, yeah, it's interesting so you, how you. Uh, and my my uh my I, I don't think that even my unconscious mind is mocking me to the to the actual going in the water every single time. It's like a mental battle sometimes. Just I'm, I'm just going to do it because I know it feels good afterwards. And it's just that one yeah. minute really. The one minute is when it's really cold. That's why I tell everyone. Everyone goes, "You're mad. Are you going to the in the water this weather?" And I'm like, "If you can just sit for the one minute, breathe through it one minute, and then your body uh, climatizes to the water anyway." Totally. Yeah. Yeah, which is so if, if we notice something like that, that's a point where I love working with someone else. So I'll, I'll take, you know, I have a lot of coaches and mentors and friends that I will then contact and say, hey, I'm noticing new conflict. I have this conflict. Help me find out where it is. And then because I work with people who work similarly to me, we'll find the inception point. 
we'll find where did this conflict actually start? Because there are only three directions we can go. Any trauma, any conflict, any program that we have, either is from this life, then it's usually in the first seven years of childhood, something happened, or it's an epigenetic program that means that we inherited it in our ancestral lines, or it's a past life. So once you know you, there are only those three options and you know what it is. So I always tell my clients, if you knew when this pattern was first created, was it before, during, or after your birth? And you know, and that very first answer that comes through, that's something you could ask yourself, will tell you where this actually came. And when you know when the inception point was, so say you know, oh, this is an ancestral thing, then I'd ask you, okay, how many generations? And a number will pop up and you'll say, okay, maybe four generations ago. And I say, interesting, cool. What are you feeling? What are the emotions? Because you see those emotions are the bridge we will have felt exactly the same way. And we still remember that emotion, even if we don't know what it was. So then we, all we have to do is just take those emotions and say, oh, interesting, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. I say it's a cocktail, right? And have I felt like that before? Yes, I know this feeling so well. Okay, so now that I know how I feel, what are the insights? What do I now know? I now know I have a choice. I now know I can go in this water or I could go home. I now know this. I know I'm loved. I know I'm worthy and whatever. And then we make a new decision and we anchor that. And you'll see that makes a big shift. So mm. that would be fun to work on to see where is the original conflict that you're fighting against. Yeah, um, and it's it's interesting that you say that because it uh, definitely it happens when there's a lot of waves. And when I first came to Australia, my sister and I got caught in a rip curl and we got uh, pulled out of the water. So there's maybe a like a, not there's not maybe I know there's an internal fear that uh, talks me out of going to the water. Again. Sorry, that's it. That that that. So there's an internal fear that that might happen again. Yeah. There you got it. So all you need to do now, and everybody, if you've discovered something in yourself, you could go ahead now and do this switch. It's a really powerful move of doing a karate chop with one fist into the other hand, and you go left and right. Because when you're doing this, you're synchronizing the left and the right brain hemisphere. So we're able to come from a whole brain state. Okay. And then you could, for instance, say rip curl uh, or riptide. It was right. Riptide. I love and accept myself. Even if I had this experience and it was very unpleasant and there are certain emotions connected to this and I love and accept myself when I now choose to let it go, to release this pattern and to choose new. And then you can take a breath, right? So you're just accepting what is and then you're making a new choice. Then you go to the fear and you say, rip, riptide, I love and accept myself with all the fear inside of me. At my deepest level, and from the first time I felt this way. And I choose now to release this fear and to step into my power of courage. I've got this. I can do this. I will do this. I'm doing this now. Yes, yes, yes. And then you breathe. And then I'd ask you, okay, is there another emotion? What else are you feeling? What else is there? Is there another emotion? You know, I've just got a smile on my face. I don't have another emotion. It's not a fear or anything. It's actually a sense of now I'm seeing myself having fun in the water before the actual event that took place. So for me, I just now I'm having fun. So I'm having, I'm, I'm feeling joy. Excellent. So what I would suggest 
is that now when you take your morning walks, you just do this one and you, mm. you say, okay, I love and accept myself, even if it's raining and I don't want to go. And I love and accept myself when I'm now choosing for my cold plunge. Okay, so you do this one. Then you go here, you just notice what comes up, say nice things to yourself and you're anchoring your body. So, okay, every time this happens, we're going to do this and we change our state. And I should think that after the third day, you'll notice a big shift that the conflict will, will no longer be there. Mm. so try that I am going to try that thank you Joy that's that is uh, amazing I am conscious of time I just don't want to I want to ask one quick question you talked about forgiveness and release and I know that's a big one for our listeners because we have talked about it on the show before and that's a really tough one for many so we've had people write in I mean how am I meant to forgive my husband who was unfaithful to me how can I forgive and so we talk about the forgiveness is about forgiving yourself not so and forgiving the other person it it goes two ways but I what we hear a lot of is they find it really hard to release because they can't forget so they go even though I forgive it's not forgotten so and and you shouldn't forget but here's the thing remember how we said that once we know where it's coming from so say it's the husband's betrayal we know where the pain's coming from right so the first step is to notice how it created so much in me that I'm making this mean. Um, So what I like asking myself is what else could this mean? Because usually we will come to conclusions that will tell us, okay, it was because you're just not good enough, right? You're just not lovable enough. You did this wrong. We did that wrong. And that's why this was like the punishment that had to happen. What if it's not a punishment? What if that is the biggest opportunity for you to learn something about yourself that's going to take you to a better state. So then I have to see the person, so the villain, (laughs) the husband who did this to me as my teacher. I've got to say, okay, what if on some level I chose this, I co-created this, right? Then I'm taking the blame out because it's never just one side. And I know this is hard to hear, especially if we've had abuse and terrible things happen to us. There's a different story that's running this all that wanted you to learn something. So say you were this beautiful, innocent spirit and you were up in Nirvana and they said, hey, do you want another life on on earth? Really exciting one. And you were like, of course I do because you're connected, you're a spirit, you know everything. So you make the choice, yeah, I want that human life. And then they say, okay, so what do you want to learn? And you'll say, okay, this time I want to learn how to truly love, really. That's going to be my thing. I'm going to get this love thing figured out. And they say, excellent. So here's some role players for you. How are you going to learn this? And then maybe in that state, you said, well, give me a father that's going to abuse me. Give me a husband that's going to betray me because that'll make me think, that'll make me realize that I'm my happiness is not dependent on others, that I'm way stronger than I think I am, whatever, right? So what if that was just a game? What if it's just a script? And your dad, your husband or whatever kept to the script. They kept their promise. That's happened. So once you get the insights and the learnings of what has this made you a better person, it usually has, because you know what you are not. We learn through through the, the, the different of the experience. We need to experience all the things so that we know what we are not. So you know what you're not. You know that you survived this. You're stronger than you were. You know more than you knew then. Once you get the learnings, you can see that person as your teacher was just trying to teach you that. It doesn't mean that what they did was right. Absolutely not. That's not what forgiveness is about. 
but it's about not allowing that thing that happened to you to define your future. But to say, okay, it was an experience. I'm getting my learnings and now I'm making new decisions because you will not have that same experience again if you get the insight. If we just say, okay, well, this has happened to me and it's just what it is and I'm going to be angry and frustrated, guess what? It'll happen again and again. Or you'll close yourself off so much that you're no longer open to any form of love and relationship because that's what happens with with non-forgiveness, isn't it? We Mm. just close down. We try and protect ourselves from all that pain. And as you were saying, there's no way to get out of pain other than going through it. And I had to learn that in, in a big lesson with, with I had terrible back pain for years um, and I just wasn't being able to solve it. And I was like, this is no life anymore. I just don't know how to be. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was just like horrible. And then I went to one um, event where I had this wonderful person working with me, actually in authentic relationships. It was just authentic relating we were just playing role-playing communication patterns and then this person actually showed me and explained to me how pain is created in the brain and pain is only created in the brain when the body feels unsafe so I had to find out how can I feel safer in life how can I create more moments in my day to feel safe so that my body can learn to relax and you know pain went but I had to go through it I had to breathe my way through pain and not shy away from it, not distract myself, not try and numb it away, but go right into the center. And you know who taught me that? The lady who was doing this with me, she was tattooed from head to toe. And I remember just sitting opposite her and saying, how do you deal with pain? Because those things, that must have been so painful. And she said, baby, I go right in the middle of it. I go right in the center and then it goes. And I thought, okay, if that's the thing, I'm going to do that too. So breathe your way through pain. And every time you breathe in, imagine you're bringing in white light. Imagine you're bringing in everything you need. And every time you exhale, you're releasing whatever you no longer need. It's really that simple, but just yeah. stay with it. It's interesting because uh, I was having this conversation about a week and a half ago with somebody else. And um, they asked me the the very question of how can I... Uh, be so forgiving and I said how do I know that I didn't sign up for this how do I know that I wasn't uh, maybe in a past life they were the victim and this is my karma this is me coming into this life and experience this I can't I can't blame the other person I can only forgive Uh, even though if you can't forget but we play we 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 made a deal somewhere along along this you know these different lifelines that we've had together for us to experience this, whatever this is. And we then the response was we've been everything, everything, right? Yeah. We've been the we've been the abuser, we've been the victim. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then the comment was your spiritual bypassing. <laughs> that was the response. You are spiritual bypassing, you're not really dealing with what you're meant to be dealing with. So were your thoughts about oh. that, Joy? Uh, absolutely. I And I think spiritual bypassing is a fascinating concept that we do often do. But I'm not spiritually bypassing if I am finding an explanation for what's happening and facing what is. Because I'm not give, making like putting the labels out there and then going to go on with my day. I'm going to say, okay, and now let's sit with it. Let's sit with this pain. Let's sit with this frustration. Let's sit with this anger, whatever it is, and move it through the body. So 
breath work, tapping, um, you know, even just getting on the floor and rolling around and, and banging your fists, putting on a song that really gets that energy moving. So I have different playlists. I have anger playlists and grief playlists. <laughs> and I'll just give myself three minutes and I say, okay, here we go, baby. Three minutes of grief. Give it all. And I'll just move my body for those three minutes to just move the energy through me. And then you feel like you've had a shower afterwards. It's a very powerful thing to do. I love it. Absolutely love it. So I am conscious of your time because I know it's at the beginning of the day for you. So let's recap the three shiny golden nuggets for our audience. So what was the first one that you would like? I'd say take, take that breath and say, what else could this mean? What else could this mean if you know a moment of stress? Then go ahead, do the switch, okay? Even if you just remember this, take a couple of breaths and then say to yourself, I love and accept myself with all of this that's going on and I love and accept myself when I now choose for my joy. I now choose to be okay. I now choose to be happy, whatever. That's the second one. Third one is make time for silence. Make time, start your day, set your alarm, do 10 minutes of just sitting with your breath and being aware of everything that is. I want to give another one there is set a clear intention. Set a clear intention for your day in the morning in those 10 minutes, and you'll see that day will be different. And how we set our intention, that's my final tip, is if you're in a safe place, you just go ahead, you close your eyes, you notice how you're present, you ground down, you roll your eyes up, you roll them up there, that's to get the brain into the theta state. Roll them up there, and then you say inside of yourself, even if I don't know how to have a great day, even if I don't know how to be my best today, all I do know is it is so now. I delete, delete, delete all that could stop me. I download, download, download everything I need to do so now with grace, ease, and joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So it is, so it shall be, or something even better. I call that the crystalline command. And it not only brings your brain into the theta brainwave zones by rolling up the eyes. That's why some people, when they go unconscious, they roll the eyes up because it's a reset for the brain, right? But you're also giving a clear instruction to your mind, to the universe, to the energy around you of, hey, this is what I want, even if I don't know how. Because the one question that our conscious mind will always ask is, how? How are you going to do that? I want to be rich. I want to be slim. I want to be this. How? Right? So there you're saying, even if I don't know how, all I do know is it is so now. So set a clear intention. I do that before I do a podcast, before I work with a client, before I do anything consciously. I say, okay, where are we going with this? What do I really want? And by doing that, you're training yourself to be conscious of your decisions. And yeah, I, I hope you all have real fun playing with those tools. And if you just do one and practice that every day, you will create that shift you're, you're desiring. You really will. I love every single one of them. Thank you so, so much, Joy. So where can our audience find you? Where do you hang out the most? I hang out on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I have joymatina.com. That's my website that you can find out all about me. Um, I'm active on social media myself. I don't have a team doing it because I love the connection. So I always promise if, if you write a post on any of these social channels that is open, right, and you tag me in it, ask me any question, I will answer. 
I don't answer personal messages. They just get too many. But any open question, for instance, in Facebook, I have the Joy Tribe, where over 11,000 whatever people all just connected to create joy and to spread that joy. If you ask me any question there, I will always answer. And I love answering questions because I feel that's how we learn from each other. 100%. Thank you, Joyce, so much for coming on the show and for your time, your energy and sharing your wealth of wisdom. I am going to be doing those practices. So I can't wait to uh, put into practice first thing tomorrow morning. So thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.